I mean, singers are annoying because they think that monitor sound is like, they always want that shit turned up, but I'm always just like, that's not what you really sound like. Like, Yeah. It's just what you're hearing back. Like, I'm turning you up because you want to hear yourself singing loud. But right. I promise to God, I'm not blasting you that loud in the mix that's going out to the church. Like Exactly. Yeah. I'm not. I don't need you to peak. If you need your own volume up, I'll turn your yeah. headphones up. But I'll turn your I'll turn your monitor up all day. Like they're always like, more in the monitor. And I, like that's my that's a trick that my boss taught me. He's just like, Yeah, just turn up in the monitor and then they'll shut the fuck up because they hear themselves loud. But like yeah. like there's this nigga who was like playing the triangle one time and we mic'd him up. He's like, Yeah, I need to be loud. And I was like, Nigga, what the fuck you need to be loud for? Ain't nobody listening to a church praise band and being like, damn, that triangle was rocking today. <laughs> also, listening. triangles are triangles are naturally loud. That's the, the point of a triangle is to be naturally yeah. loud. Yeah, but when you're when you're in praise or band shit, ping. because they're because when you're in praise band, you kind of have to like mic every instrument separately sometimes because they're all stacked together, so the sounds can um they can overpower each other. Nah. Uh, Got it. So you try to mic every instrument. Sometimes with the drum kit, you mic every piece of the drum kit as well. That sounds like too much work. It was a um, lot of work, man. It was a lot of work. Like the drum kit would have its own bus that I was like watching the levels on and all that shit. I like I I, I was in choir for like two months when mm-hmm. I was a kid in church, but I don't. So I don't remember any of the setup or shit. But we we didn't really have a praise band, so to say. I mean, we had the choir, and you, we and we had the we had the typical like black church shit, where Set, you had yeah. the organ, and we had like I get and like they could have been mic'd up. I just don't know. I was fucking under ten years old, yeah. but but uh, but yeah, I I feel like. I feel like in a hot ass church with no AC and shit like that, what sound right. you get is what sound you gonna get. What sound you get? Absolutely, because like, I mean, the only reason why I uh, we had the ability to do that is because we were a college church, so it was like mm. a big ass church, yeah. And you also stream live for like yeah. a bunch of people to watch and all that, like you know what I mean? Like it was a production. But yeah, yeah in a big ass church, you running all that power. Who gonna pay that bill? Nobody. They can barely in a, well. in a, in a tiny black church. Who's paying that bill? All the tithes and offerings go right to the pastor. They can't afford to pay bills. They can't afford. And the pastor, you know, the pastor is spending it to his Mercedes on his Mercedes. (laughs) That's why every pastor. Why every pastor drive a Mercedes sedan? They got they got a Mercedes (laughs) sedan. If you really up there, you might have a BMW. You might have a BMW, but every pastor drives that Mercedes sedan. Every it is truly Mercedes is truly the car of God. (laughs) <laughs> like it is truly the car of god i you know don't crazy, understand it you know what's crazy about mercedes is like when you look at like pictures of like nazis that they were just like driving around in that shit like casually <laughs> it's so weird to think that that's the luxury car now when back in yeah. the day that was the car that they were using to like terrorize the jewish community hey <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> man we're nothing but consistent Hey man, shit man. We don't dream. We don't dream of freedom. We dream of being the master. How much shit? How much? I've been lucky to book a few things and get some extra money in my pocket during this, which is nice, but it's also bad because instead of like saving shit, I'm spending. It goes right out. It goes right out. Oh boy. How much shit? How much shit have you? How much shit have you bought during? How many? How many pairs of shoes have you bought? I only bought one pair of shoes. Only bought right. one pair of shoes. I'm I'll on be honest four. About that. I bought one. I got the uh, I got the Nikes that they released, the Jordans that they released the day Last Dance. Uh, which, released, which numbers? Uh, the Jordan which Retro Fours. I'm oh sure. shit! They got the Retro Fives out. It oh, just no, dropped retro this fives. morning. My fault. It's the Retro Five. Oh, they just dropped another. They just dropped another Retro Five today. Yeah, the Five. I couldn't do it. I, I, I bought a pair of Jordans. I bought two. Yo. Ah, shit, it's over now. Uh, I bought bought a pair of Jordans. Adidas had a 30% off. That's the one that Zig put up, right? No. That was finish line. Adidas, for the whole month of April, had a 30% off their entire site, even shit on sale. Well, hey, man, whatever sale they have in May, I know you're going to get me something for my birthday, so I'm not even tripping. When your birthday again? Shit. I'll just tell you it's coming soon. May 17th, right? Nah, nah, May 20th. 
right, all right. That was close. I was close. You're not bad. You're not bad. I don't uh, know when the fuck your birthday is. Uh, Shit, I couldn't even tell you the month. Yes, you could. I can't. October? Almost. September 29th. Okay. That's pretty uh, close to October. Pretty close. It's pretty close. <laughs> yes. It's basically <laughs> October. I've been listening to that new Drake album, and that uh, that track, fuck, what is it called? It's the third one. It's the quote-unquote freestyle. Wait, no, it's not the freestyle. Hold on. I'm trash right now for not remembering this song because I literally was talking about it this morning. When to say when? Mm. He's dropping legitimate business knowledge on that track. Mm. He's saying there are people in your life who are going to come around and fuck with you when you're winning. Don't trust those people. Mm -hmm. Hire the people around you who've been fucking with you when you couldn't afford shit, when you're sleeping on couches, when you're doing all that. That's the niggas to keep around you. Yeah. Because they're going to work hard because they know what you're going back to. Yeah, that's true. But the people that start fucking with you when you're winning, that's all they know is the winning. So when you're struggling, they're going to be like, oh, fuck this thing. He's not worth anything to me. Right. Yeah. Drake dropping that knowledge. He's Bro. Hey, guys, he's not just a panty dropper. He's not just a panty dropper. He's, he's a, a knowledge dropper. dropper. He's a knowledge dropper. <laughs> <laughs> we got another knowledge dropper on the pod today. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Simeon. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. No, Justin uh, Simeon. The from creator of Dear White People. That's right. Director of Bad Hair and also the film Dear White People. He also has his podcast, Don't At Me. Uh, very dope podcast over at Starburns. So, yeah, man, I'm excited to talk to him. Yeah, yeah, man. Let's get to it. I am so surprised how like much shit i've gotten rid of during uh the stay at home shit because i've been like i'll like every week i'll pick a room or like something in my house to just deep fucking clean (laughs) uh i know but it's been it's actually been very therapeutic for me to just get rid of shit and and i'm buying too much shit i've bought at least I'm not going to say an amount, but I've bought too much like audio, like AV shit <laughs> during this. So I'm like, I got a new computer and everything. So I'm like, oh, you do? Yeah. What'd I, you get? I, I I didn't get a Mac because I'm not an Apple guy. But wow. I got, okay. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I keep trying to tell him. I keep trying to tell him, Jay. I keep trying to tell him, drop I'm, your Android phone. Drop like, get a Mac. <laughs> nah, I actually don't like Macs. I've worked. I had a Mac. I had a Mac laptop. I remember. Uh yeah, what year? doing against the grain. It was an old ass Mac. Uh, See, it was like so that don't Mac. count. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, it counts, man. That shit count in my wallet. That's true. That's true. <laughs> that shit counts in my wallet. No, that's real. <laughs> but that's yeah, real. No, I got I got a Lenovo ThinkBook. Uh, and yeah, I've never even heard of that brand before, dog. You just I have, yes, you have. I have, I have. And, and I'm. I, I think. Look, I think you deserve better. <laughs> hey, all right. Well, let me tell. You, let me tell you what I'm working with. You know, I got me no little 16 gigabyte RAM. Got that. Okay. Got that Intel That's... i7. You know, I, uh, and, you, you and know. you're a Lenovo ThinkPad. And my Lenovo Think. <laughs> and my Lenovo Think Book. Not a oh, oh it's shit. A okay, book. my bad. My bad. It's think a whole book. book. But here's what I don't like about PC. Here's what I don't like about PC is like rather than like fixing the specs on their computer, they always make their computers do weird shit. Like it's like, all right, yeah, you can't play like, you know, you can't edit videos on this, but you can fold it in half. It's like, I don't need to. I don't need to fold my PC in half. Like I want to edit videos. I can edit videos. Android phones. Android phones are always just like, yeah. Yeah, iPhones have better cameras, but this shit can go underwater. It's like, I don't need it to go underwater. But you know what? But you know what? The Android shit, they come out with stuff that like five years from now, Apple will do like the refined version of it. So I will yeah. give them, they're, they're, they're on the front lines experimenting. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, Le- that's Lenovo true. and all the other ones. But my bougie ass has a PC laptop for gaming as well. Right. As a yeah. Mac. See, gaming you need because you can't game. PCs on are better for gaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's true. I don't it's game, true. but I'll take that. I don't I'll really game. That. I don't really get like the games I play are very um, like not that masculine. <laughs> I don't know. Like I don't feel like I'm gaming like hardcore. Like I'm playing like Parkitect. Where you build your own theme park. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. You like games like that because the game that you put me on was um, 
Game Dev Tycoon. Oh where, yeah, <laughs> I love that game. I can where play you just that. build a you build a video game empire, and I'm like, this is these are the video games that Justin plays. It's true. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. Yo, I this is real, and feel free to make fun of me for this, but because I caught myself and I was like, what the fuck am I doing? When I got this computer, it came preloaded. <laughs> it came Uh-oh. preloaded with Disney's Magic Kingdom. Yes, it did. A, a game to like build a <laughs> Disney park. Yes, it and did. I like I like started it up and I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. And I'm playing and it can't... and like ten minutes in it, I was just like, what the fuck am I doing? No, now you can't stop. <laughs> now you can't stop. I, I had you know I built Fantasy Land up and I was like, Let me I get it. Stop. <laughs> there's a file. It, there's a file called Justin Land. Okay, and <laughs> <laughs> my shit is lit. Okay, I got castles and roller coasters. And ice cream. <laughs> you got that Justin ice cream. You can put but your own, makes it, you can put your own music in the shit. So there's like jazz playing. Like it's it's great. It's, it's, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. But yeah. But what makes me mad is that Jaquise, I've been. We started an NBA 2K league, and you haven't played any of the games. Like, I did. <laughs> I played all the computer yeah, I games. Building Disney parks. Oh I, yeah, you did. I played I, all the and I lost every fucking one. You lost every one. <laughs> I went through. I had to like refix it. I started. I, I made you win every one, but I was like, damn. Oh. Oh, this is bad. Dude, that shit is so hard. Man, you put that shit on all-star <laughs> level, first of all, which I'm like... All-star level is easier. <laughs> no, it's not. I can't hit a shot, nigga. I, <laughs> <laughs> I can't hit a I'm shot. I'm you, Jackies. I'm just like you when it comes to games. I'm just like you. I can't do shit. Shit. Every Anything? time I drive, these niggas are brick walls. I'm like, let me through. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone I'm shooting game, like, I, like anything that requires like skill... That's like analogous to the real world. I'm awful. Yeah. yeah I, uh, but I can build I, a city in a theme park. <laughs> <laughs> I can city plan like a motherfucker. I can city. I can urban plan all day. <laughs> I, I thought it would be cute to have uh, Anna play Last of Us. So I like was like, I bought it and I was setting it up and I had her play. And it was the most frustrating thing because like, I guess for us, like, you know, like how when you start a video game, because you've been playing video games for so long, you don't need to know how to move or anything like that. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. It's just instinctual to you. Like the basics, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Anna was running away from a zombie, but her camera was turned like in this weird angle. And it was the most frustrating thing to watch. I'm like, (laughs) that would be Why don't you know how to move your camera? Why don't you know how to look? It's like, and I couldn't teach her how to do it because I just knew how to do it. Like, it's like. One of those, that, it'll be like you trying to teach someone how to direct a movie, Justin. Like it's like it, you just you just you just know it, and it's like nigga, you gotta go to, to the heart you. of the scene. Um. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? I can't teach you. <laughs> That's really what you are like in the room, though. No, I'm not. <laughs> Damn. Remember when, I'll never that forget tea. what you said. You're not arguing with me. You're arguing with Darwin. <laughs> I did say that shit. I full on said that shit to somebody. And y'all all looked at me like, oh. <laughs> well, this is because like. And it was like room. It was like week one, too. It was like, oh, this yeah. is where we're. Okay, got it. He's crazy. No, I think I think it made me appreciate it. It, made, it showed me like how hard, like how not hard I work. Like, I think funny people, when they're writing scripts, can kind of get away with like not having story because they can just put in a ton of jokes and shit like that. It's but like a magic like, trick. Exactly, exactly. So it's just like I don't need to like if someone's just like, oh, why does this why does this character do it? I'm like, I don't know, but this line's pretty funny. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but for you, what I really appreciated is that like for the first four weeks, we were just like, you would just come in the room and be like, All right, this is what the theme is. And we'd be like, All right, cool. And we'd start working and then you'd leave and you'd come back in, be like, actually, you guys, I thought about it. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this isn't the theme, man. This isn't the theme. Like this word right here. Does the really work right there? Like, Look, can you really start the. <laughs> but it got, works, though. You, you got to go through that a, shit. Hey, yeah, man. because then when you get to script, you're not lost. Like you like you always said, like you have. I think so many people don't like pre-writing because they just want to get to script. Yeah. But you have to do that work beforehand. So, like, how did you what did you learn about all that pre-writing stuff? Like, where, where did you pick that up at? Honestly, it was like trying to write a lot, just stuff on my own and, and knowing it was whack, but not knowing why. Uh, and like dear white people, especially, um, you know, I started writing that in 2005 ish, 20, 2006 ish. 
And so, like, for, you know, like, eight years, there was a version of that script always in some revision. And I knew I wanted it to be multi-protagonist, and I wanted it to hit you like Nashville hits you or hit you like Do the Right Thing hits you or hits you like, you know, these sprawling comedy ensembles hit you. But those are really fucking hard to write, and there aren't really any books on them. And so I would come up with these drafts, and I would just know it wasn't there. And Mm. and so it just kind of, like, you know... Every time I like looked for a new book or looked for a new piece of advice or whatever, it just kept it, it kept bringing me back to like, okay, there's something like thematically that I haven't worked out yet. Like I don't know at the heart, heart, heart of it, like what it's about. And and so like going on that journey in my own space and realizing the level of specificity I had to get to for the kind of shit I'm trying to make, um, you know. That's kind of where it came from, but it's a work in progress. Like I, I, I'm always discovering shit. Our room was like for me, really a discovery process because I would, I would legitimately like have dreams and like yep. talk to a therapist or like yep. read a book about you know shadow work and come into the room like guys, I've just discovered a new concept. We have to work it in, and we have to go all the way back to the beginning and kind of work that shit out. But it was like, it was like, it was great for me. It was like. You guys were so game, man, and um, and helpful because everyone in that room has like a very specific point of view, especially you, <laughs> <laughs> which I love. I love. I so one thing that I think is really cool, and 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 you know, because you wrote the film and then you worked on the, you created the show and worked on the show, and so building up that respect where yourself in yourself you can say, all right. This may be some wild shit, but I know I have the trust of the people who mm. I'm saying this to, right? Right, right. Um, and, and I think when people, uh, and and maybe more with writers than actors, because we, you know, our shit, we are giving stuff to perform as opposed to creating the thing that's going to be performed. Uh, yeah. But I think that, you know, that is probably one of the more rewarding things uh, as a creator, not so much like success and things like that, but having the trust of your peers where you can come in and say, all right, I got an idea. Yeah. Uh, and and everybody's going to be on board and everybody's going to be game. And even if it doesn't work, they know that you won't lose the respect or the trust. Be like, that shit didn't work. You're like, no, he had an idea. We tried it. And maybe it worked or not, but that's a really cool fucking thing to build up in yourself. So how, like, how was that process for you of, you know, starting out to get into where you are now and where you want to go? <laughs> awful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the process has been awful and painstaking. Uh, but I mean, I think it's, um, I think creative environments are best when everybody feels comfortable to fail, comfortable yeah. to throw shit out comfortable to challenge each other without, you know, it getting personal. Um, because I feel like if we come in there all precious about our ideas, then you get into the zone where you're just protecting your shit and you can't even examine it anymore. And to me, that kills the creative process. So, um, you know, I, I, I go into a room with things I don't know, things I do know, and I at least try to give people permission to fail. I, I you know, I I'm wrong all the fucking time. There are so many times in the room when like, you know, someone will pitch me something and I'm just like, I don't see it. Like I just have a reaction to it. And then, <laughs> and, then I'll, and then I'll leave and I'll hear people laughing and I'll come back and be like, I totally get it now. You know, it's, but you have yeah. to be able to do that because here's the thing about what we do. That's so powerful. And to me, it's like a vocation. It's like, I, I take this shit very seriously. It's like, we're creating like things for people to frame their reality around. You know, like everyone is looking for something to frame their reality. That's why we wake up and we look at the news or read your Bible or you meditate. You're always looking for something to like tell you how the world works. And so these things, these movies and TV shows are like really fundamental to people's like everyday lives. And so for me, it's like a joy to figure out like, well, what is in the DNA of this thing? Because this is going to frame the reality for millions of people. Um, It's going to live on beyond just us in this room and what we think it's going to do, it's going to work in ways we can't even imagine. So because you don't have any control over it once that happens, um, to me, like you got to get as close to the DNA of the thing as possible and get that right. You know, and a lot of times it's really simple. It's, It's sometimes it's incredibly simple and subtle. The differences between a script that isn't working and a script that is. 
And, you know, for me, it really does sometimes come down to a word or two uh, when we're thinking about what the theme means, you know, and, and stuff like yeah. that. And so for me, I just try to create an environment where we can do that work and not feel awful about it and not feel like we fucked up or not feel afraid to talk or, you know, all that kind of stuff. Because it's, it's you got to go there. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like when you read reviews about your work, there's a word that's always consistent and it's auteur. Messy. Like I. <laughs> nah, man, you're not gonna catch me. You're not gonna catch me throwing you no shade. Hold on, what's that? What's that big ass cup? Is that what's that big ass cup? That's Wendy's, it? man. Uh, That's Wendy. Wendy's. <laughs> America's <laughs> favorite breakfast. Lies. Oh, that's a lie. They just don't know it yet. <laughs> I have that's never great. had breakfast at Wendy's, but never. I've never had breakfast at Wendy's ain't, in my life. Ain't McDonald's? nobody taking over McDonald's breakfast, baby. Ain't nobody. McDonald's uh, breakfast is the breakfast. According to this cup, though, it's America's favorite. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't see it. <laughs> but yeah, but Justin, yeah, that the word auteur has always come up even from from the very beginning when your movie dropped at Sundance. Everyone was calling you auteur. I guess my question is like, how does one even become an auteur? And this question kind of came to mind because my friend was talking. My friend and I, we were talking yesterday, and she was saying like how Wes Anderson and Ang Lee, like you know, both amazing directors. You could watch an Ang Lee movie and not know it's an Ang Lee movie. Like, mm. You know what I mean? Like, if I just showed you The Incredible Hulk and you were watching it, and at the end I was like, Ang Lee directed that, you'd be like, what the fuck? Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but if Which Wes one? Anderson, the, 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 we see, that's what I'm saying. The one with uh, Eric Bana. He yeah, the first one. one. The first one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but if Wes Anderson Which we all Ang, love. Yeah, we love it. We loved it, Ang. We loved it. I mean Eric Eric Banner shows his butt in it. <laughs> I'm a fan. I'm not offended by that. I enjoyed that part of the film. Yeah. I remember because I tried to rent it from the library and they're like, Your mom has to come rent it for you. Like, for incredible for incredible Hulk. <laughs> also, you explaining that to your mom, like, I need you to rent this movie for me because there's an ass in it. A male ass. <laughs> it's a green ass, but it's an ass. A man's green ass. Could you please get this video for me? <laughs> but she was saying that, like, if you watch an Ang Lee movie, you could, like, not know it was him. But if you watch a Wes Anderson movie, you know exactly what you're going to get. Like, you know the kind of shots and all of that. Mm -hmm. it's, how much of that is intentional? How much of that is an accident? Because I know, like, when you do something, I'm like, that's Justin. Like, you know what I mean? And not in, like, mm. any, like... Bad way, in a great way. Like, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. even in bad hair, you have such an aesthetic. So, like, how much of that is conscious? How much of that is accidental? Like, some of it is conscious, but I think if you get too conscious about your aesthetic, like in hard mm. quotes, um, I think you can really confine a movie into like a, like, a, a straitjacket, you know? Like, for yeah. me, for me, Ang Lee is a very auteur director, um, but the signifiers of an Ang Lee film are more subtle. Than the signifiers of like a Wes Anderson film. Like one yeah. of my one of my favorite directors of all time is Sidney Lumet. And Sidney Lumet, you know, who made The Wiz, which is crazy, but he made mm. like, you know, <laughs> he he made a lot of he made a, like a lot of brilliant films. And and they, you know, that you can say, okay, some of them have like crime running through them or uh characters who are playing both sides of something or or whatever, but it's kind of actually hard to define. And then, yeah. you know, he wrote a book on filmmaking, which anybody who's trying to do it should read where he talks about his process and you realize it's his process that makes it a Sidney Lumet film. And not so, you know, for him, the, every aesthetic choice, every acting choice, every color, everything has to be, has to go through this filter for him where, you know, it has to be about the theme as he sees it and it has to do that. And so when you see like the, his lens, even though maybe aesthetically you can't pick up on it right away, um, there's there's a feeling that you get in a Sidney Lumet film, which I think is true for Ang Lee, too. Um, and I think at the beginning of my career, I was very tightly into my aesthetic. Like, you know, I want a singular aesthetic because I knew doing some black shit like you had to pop. And yeah. and, the, and the directors that I love are very visual, like Kubrick and, you know, Wes Anderson and Spike and uh, Bergman and uh, Fellini. Like they all have these like visually signature styles. So I wanted that for Dear White People. But, you know, I abandon it as quickly as I as I get it. You know, I think in, in Bad Hair, I do think there's a, there's something me-ish about the way I shoot it, because I think I have a certain kind of eye, but I'm I'm really not trying to be overly conscious of it because mm. at a certain point you just start replicating shots, you know, yeah. if you do it all with your head, you know, some of it yeah. has to really just come from your heart. Like my favorite thing to find out about Steven Spielberg 
they did that uh, documentary called Spielberg. I think it was on HBO. Because in my mind, his movies are so like Hollywood, like polished, perfect, fun. You know, in my mind, I thought Spielberg like storyboarded every frame. Because his movies just feel like that. But he yeah. doesn't. Spielberg shows up on set. He doesn't like to go to tech uh, visits. He likes to show up, have no idea how he's going to shoot it, and figure it out in the moment. And so mm-hmm. when we're seeing like Jurassic Park and Indiana Jones and all the, all these like beautifully crafted sequences, that's him like, like improving on set. He just has like, he's Spielberg, so he has the tools and the time to do that shit. But like, yeah. you know what I mean? So, so to me, what makes an auteur is control over your process. More so than mm-hmm. like the aesthetic of the film. And when and when you have control over your process, to me, it's fun to over time start to think about, okay, what are the themes that keep coming up? What, how does he use music over and over again? How do you, you know, like over, over a person's career, you can start to tease out like what makes it a this person's film and what makes it a that person's film. But it can be very subtle, you know, from movie to movie. Once, uh, so if we, t- I want to talk just a little bit about something that I, really appreciate it as an actor from uh dear white people and and the the film is great and the performances are great but one thing that i loved was for me it gave the viewing audience a chance to be i don't want to so, say so much be reintroduced hmm. uh but to actually see this cat in a different light from everybody hates chris oh uh, yeah tyler, tyler james williams which yes i mean first of all i will say everybody hates chris is a severely underrated show Agreed. it is Agreed. so fucking funny it's it a great so show. Black sitcom. it's yeah. so good the music in that show is so great uh but also you know he had a really hard job to play a young chris rock right yeah um and and as we know with i don't want to say just with black actors but black actors especially can get typecast very easily yeah um and i feel like this and he did a couple other things in between this but this film was one of the first ones to really say hey i'm not just this kid actor who did everybody hates chris uh i i can do a lot more and respect my respect my name right uh how was it working with him man and i don't know how involved you were in the casting of him in particular but if you were or you weren't uh how was that you know bringing yeah. him to the fold in that well, movie ca- casting is one of my favorite parts man it's, cool. it, it really is um so i was very involved but kim coleman was our casting director and to be honest with you because lionel's a gay character we were having trouble finding black actors uh, to come in for for Lionel, particularly because, you know, we're trying to finance the movie at the same time. Like we hadn't secured financing when we started casting. So there was a pressure to have people who were recognizable in the cast. Mm. Um, and in terms of like recognizable black male actors in 2013, 2012, um, a lot of them were just loved the material, would not come in to read for a gay role. And that's not that long ago. That's I know crazy. it's not <laughs> crazy. It's not. It's not at all. And um, and Tyler, first of all, he was fearless about it. And he was singular in his performance of, of Lionel. And when I say singular, I mean, like he wasn't playing gay. He wasn't playing nerd. He wasn't he wasn't. It didn't feel like he was playing anything. He, he it just felt like he was bringing the part of himself that, you know, he saw in Lionel uh, to the role. And yeah. You know, when I was right, you know, Donald Glover had a big I didn't I didn't know him at the time, but seeing Donald Glover on community was a big influence on Lionel because, um, you know, I was I'm a very specific kind of black gay. Like I'm I'm a nerd and uh, I, I express myself in a very specific way. And, you know, I don't always feel like, you know. I don't really see myself a lot of times in, 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 in popular culture and gay culture. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, just seeing like a black nerd uh who sort of had a different version of masculinity you know obviously Donald's character wasn't gay in community but like I had an, I I was like oh I can see parts of myself in that character and so I began to write Lionel as really a cipher for me and I wasn't looking for someone to necessarily do an impression of me but I wanted someone who was just going to play it honestly and Tyler did that and um it was so fucking fun working with him. Like, I love Tyler. Like, I, I you know, I love Duran also, Duran Horton, who plays Lionel in the show. But, you know, when we first were putting this thing together, I wanted I wanted everybody from the movie to come back 
uh, and everybody got famous and got TV deals and shit and movie <laughs> deals. But like, I, I I love him. I love the way he works as an actor. Um, he's so about his craft, and he's like yeah. the coolest fucking dude. I think the fact that like he's kind of he he became famous playing like a nerd introverted kind of character like Loki made him like one of the coolest like yeah. motherfuckers like in actual life that I've ever met like so confident and <laughs> laid back and about the work and I don't know he's great that's, that's fire man I want to say I think that you know because Dear White People is a very uh uh I hate the term protest art but there, it's definitely has a message to it, and it's definitely getting ideas across to people and all of that. But yeah. the biggest surprise for me, especially the first time I met you, was being like, yo, this nigga's just as nerdy as me. Like, I feel like a lot of people <laughs> don't know that about you because everyone assumes that Sam White is you, and yeah. she is in a lot of ways. Yeah. But you are one of the nerdiest niggas I've ever met. Like, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, like, I feel like people don't know that about you, man. Like, I feel like people don't know, like, how much you love the Simpsons and like Marvel comics and all oh, that stuff. Yeah, I'm wearing like, a Marvel t shirt. <laughs> yeah. But can you like talk about like why I guess like that, that area like isn't like, like if for niggas it's like you're either playing sports or are you preaching or you're like, you know, like why, why, like why is that an area that we're not really allowed to like you're express ourselves? Sports in? Or are you preaching? Well, I mean, <laughs> are you rapping? Which is both sometimes. <laughs> I, I think there's like very def hard to find versions of masculinity in black culture. I think it's better than it's ever been, by the way. But when yeah. I was coming up, you know, um, even before I knew I was gay, I knew that I was different. You know, I knew that like regardless of what I would turn out to, you know, want to sleep with, like I thought differently than other people. And there weren't other black people like me in popular culture. Like when I turned on the TV, I did not see myself. And so yeah. I had to turn to fantasy worlds. You know, I had to it was Jordan LaForge and Lando Calrissian. Like those are the motherfuckers I had to turn to to see something that felt more like me um, and cartoons and comic books and, and archetypes and, and games and things like that. Um, but I think I think it comes down to, you know, a lot of aspects of black culture are really they're kind of like defense mechanisms. Um, and I think particularly as we were slowly trying to come out of colonization and, and have freedoms in this country and all this kind of stuff, the ideal of a very specific masculine kind of black figure became really important to the community and to the culture. And um, and I think that that represents a good number of people in our community. But there's a lot other versions of us too. And, yeah. you know, at its heart, that's really, I mean, what it's about is one thing, but why I made it, that's really why I made it. If you notice like every character in Dear White People, you may have seen that archetype in something before, but there's something about them that you've never, they, at least in 2013 when that movie came out, you hadn't really seen in that form before. Like you had never really seen a woman like Sam White with her particular set of issues or Lionel with his particular uh, intersections of gay and black. Like you hadn't really seen these particular kinds of black people. And yeah. I remember feeling at that time, like so restricted about the kind of black person I could be or present to Hollywood or present to the world. And I just wanted to blow some of that shit up. Mm. I mean, I, I like what you're saying. Cause even with Urkel, like he was a nerd, but he was like a science, like brainiac, like, you know, and for me, like, I think I'm smart, but I'm not like. But I'm he was also. Scienter. But he was also a, a clown. I mean, you know, like exactly. You know, yeah. He he was he was so he was so over the top that exactly it, he wasn't about identifying with. You know what I mean? Exactly. He wasn't exactly. the one you were supposed to identify with in that show. Versus when Troy, like when Troy he wasn't even supposed to out. be in the show. <laughs> right. Correct. For <laughs> <laughs> real, bro. Correct. But when Troy, when Troy dropped on Community, yeah, I agree with you. Where I was just like, especially the aspect of him of like being someone who's like sports is my identity, and then slowly turned into a geek. I was like, damn, they got me. Like that's yeah, that's me. like that's yeah. exactly who yeah. I was in high school. Where like I'll ball with my friends, and then they would like be like, oh, look at Victor Salinas, that lame motherfucker. I'm like, yeah, fuck Victor and his lame ass. And after everyone leave, I'd be like, hey, Victor, man, you read that new comic book? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Victor, yeah. hey, hey, hey. Yeah, hey, Victor, you got you that Wolverine number five? Yeah, like, hey, we can play Rock Band later. You're like, yeah, man. I'm like, I bet. I'll see you. All right, shut up, you whack ass nigga. And like, hey, you know what? Hey, hey, Edgar, you know what? I was Victor. <laughs> <laughs> I was so Victor growing up. Like, oh my God. I had so many secret friends. Like, I, it fucked me up. It's fine. I'm fine now. I have a therapist, <laughs> I have pills. Who would bully? Honestly, like, one of my. <laughs> My 
like he's my brother now. Uh, I've known him for over 20 years, but started out as my quote unquote bully. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I came to a new school and he was always and before I found this out after the fact, but he was always the kid that got picked on, but he was bigger. So I'm the new kid. He came in and he was like, I'm going to bully this dude. Until one day I was like, if you talk to me again, I'm going to hit you in the face. Uh, and then we've been the best of friends ever since wow. then. But, but he still acted like a bully for like half a year. Like yeah. behind, and, but behind the scenes, we was like spending the night at each other's house playing Dragon Ball Z and shit. Oh my God. And like it was, yeah. So it was you know so what's- crazy. You know what's Secret crazy about friends. that? I had the same fucking experience. And I told you this in the room, Edgar, that I had a best friend growing up that reminds me of you, that you remind me of so much. <laughs> um, he he like he would fucking bully the fuck out of me in in elementary school. And I remember sitting in the back of the bus and he was making fun of me because I love Michael Jackson so fucking much. And it yeah, was 19, really it, was, it was like 1989, <laughs> 1990, something like that. And he was like, he was like, you know, oh, oh, it's like Michelle Jackson. He was making fun of Michael Jackson. I was like, have you seen Moonwalker? And he was like, no. I was like, he turns into a robot. It's fucking cool. You should watch it. <laughs> and he watched it and came back and was like, yo, man, that shit was dope. And then we became best friends. And he was like, and he was like the more urban, like black centric version. Like he was like, we played different roles. Like he sort of became a protector in school. And we had like, yeah, we just, we spent the night at each other's house and watched like That's nerd so cool. shit all the yeah. time. Uh, and, it, you know, at school, we didn't really hang out because we weren't in the same social circle. But that was like we were each other's best friend. Yeah, nah, that's so cool. But, yo, Justin, you know what? Jaquise's high school story is kind of, you know, it's going to be the next Netflix original movie. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, Jaquise, uh, it's so funny to me. The way that I frame it isn't how it actually happened, but it's still funny is that Jaquise was like the drug dealer in school dealing weed. And then he got in trouble and they made you do like, what was it, like community service or something like that? Yeah. And you chose they- to... They well, yeah. So <laughs> I was rapping. Oh boy, <laughs> I was I was like rapping and shit and and like selling and everything like that. And then I got arrested, and um, and they made me and and they was like, all right, but because I was sixteen when I got arrested I'm, uh-huh. in Illinois, at seventeen, you're considered uh, not a minor. Okay, so Ooh, because shit. I was a minor, barely. I uh, they sent me to like drug class and shit like that and said, you got a P3 clean test and we're going to be watching, making sure you don't like go out and do stuff. So I'm just sitting in the crib the whole time uh, and I got bored and I was like, I guess I'll go out for the school play. And it just changed my fucking life. What? <laughs> changed my fucking Nigga, life. Nigga, isn't that shit so funny? <laughs> it changed my life, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that, man. I, I, I had a different high school experience. I went to performing arts high school, but I don't think I deserve to get in, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> but I, I did get in, and it was like uh, I picked theater because I, I knew I wanted to make movies, but I didn't know what that meant or what that process was. And like right. literally nobody in my family thought that made any sense. So like there was just no support for it. And so in my mind, like theater was close. And so I was like, well, I'm gonna try out for this theater program at the Formula Arts School. I'd never done a monologue before. I'd never acted before. I think I was really bad, but I got in somehow. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, it changed my whole life. Like, I feel like I don't know where I would be if it wasn't for that experience. And it was like the first thing we did was Sweet Charity, which is, oh, nice. which is the craziest musical ever. Yeah. And yeah. I just like, I was like, I was like in, man. I was like in. I was like, I, I just wanna it, make man. stories forever. Hey, but Jaquise, you was humming a song at the top of this. And it was uh, if I were a boy, and uh, Justin Beyonce yes. was your classmate in high school. What? She, she wasn't my classmate. No, don't, don't, no, 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 no. She was your classmate. Tell, tell us, tell us. So Beyonce, um, first of all. Yeah, it was, this shit was actually crazy. She went to PVA, so I, I went to high school forming visual arts. She was a year above me, and they became really famous like that, like my freshman year. So I didn't really see her. What would happen is like her and Kelly and Latavia and Latoya, like the the first four girls, they would sometimes come to the common area. That's where we all had lunch. And they would just kind of stand there and be greeted. (laughs) (laughs) Greet me, motherfucker. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Like they were like gods. And because it was performing arts school, like everybody hated on them because like everyone was so fucking jealous. But like, 
you know, I just saw her from a distance, you know, but I, I had a, you know, I, I'll tell this story too. My, um, my really good friend in high school, Deontay, who, you know, I gave his namesake to one of the characters in Dear White People, he died, but he, um, he was the gayest person I ever met. Uh, I love him so much. And he was obsessed with Beyonce and he made us go to the George R. Brown Convention Center doing the TRL Rock the Vote tour. They had nice. shown up there to give out free tickets and he made me like stalk like the halls of the convention center until we like ran into Beyonce and uh, I was pinned down against the wall by security guards. But Beyonce took Deontay, uh, gave him a makeover and put him on stage that night. So, what? yeah, it, it was it was wild. It was wild to like have that Houston to see like Houston shit happening while I was there. Is that school in Houston like how many uh, do does it have like a pretty successful alumnus? I mean, you got Beyonce, you got you. There's a there's a lot. I mean, honestly, there's a lot of us. Uh, there's actually a lot of people in the show from PVA. Courtney, oh who wow, plays, Brooke is is uh, from PVA. Eric, who uh, plays Clifton, is from PVA. Oh, that's um, wild. L, uh, L, who is the lead in Bad Hair, is from PVA. That's dope, man. Yeah, Dime Davis, who you know direct, who runs Boomerang and did the first season of Black Lady Sketch Show, is from PVA. Like a lot of us, Houston motherfuckers came out here. And no, it was like, dope, man. yeah, yeah. It was a very particular experience. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's so cool that you're like giving back too. I mean, like obviously these people are talented and deserve to be in the show. But like that, you're like, hey, yo, I'm going to put on for my school and I'm going to put people up. Like, because you want to come up as like a group. You want to come up as a clan. Like, you know what I mean? Because like, they have it. Around you. And because yeah. they have it. And it's like, you know, one of the things I, I love is like when I can see that somebody has it. And I felt that way about you, Edgar. Um, I felt that way about That's many, many people in the cast, everybody in the room. Like when I feel that way and I'm like, nobody else has noticed that this person fucking has it. Like I get very excited, <laughs> you know, because I'm like, it's on them. They, they should have been looking in this particular nook and cranny. Like, I don't know why they can't see that this particular actress or whoever is brilliant, but I can see it. And I've I've got the gold. I'm gonna I'm gonna put them on. It's like a pleasure to me. Like really. Yeah, that's dope. Man. That's dope. I I I appreciate that. I I forget what I was. I forget where I heard this, but this was like a day or two ago, where uh, somebody was saying how, especially with like black performers and stuff like that, but any performers in in general. But with black performers, we don't get a chance to be new. Yeah, uh, you know, like obviously we are, but like if from an actor standpoint, if there's a white actor, like I heard somebody went from Wahlberg to an unknown, uh, mm. and somebody like Wahlberg turned something down. I can't remember what it was, and then right. it went to an unknown person, mm-hmm. and it was like that could never happen with no, unless they're a British brown performer, <laughs> unless, unless they're British. They're British. Ooh, right? Yeah, Justin, Justin, yeah. be careful. Ooh, look, you know, I don't. Our number one fan base are the Brits. Look, I don't, I don't have, (laughs) I don't have anything against British black actors, but, but, but it is true that um, there's something new about them in the minds of of white casting people uh, that that doesn't apply to to just regular American black people. I don't know why, what that is. I mean, actually, we've theorized a lot about it in the room, but you know, it's, it's. I don't think it's a conscious thing, but but the same thing is true for like, you know, when white people do a black thing or when black people do a white thing, like there's some kind of weird aura over that person. You know, it's why Elvis is so fucking famous. Miley Cyrus and Justin Timberlake. It's crazy though. I mean, I just rewatched all of The Wire with Anna. And it's crazy, not only the black people, but just like how many people on that show are British, period. Are <laughs> in, like like are from that the UK. Like McNulty, Mayor Carcetti, Idris Elba. Like it's like holy it's shit. True. Like, it's true. Half of the fucking show is just Brits. It's like, why? You yeah. shot in Baltimore. You could have picked niggas from Baltimore. James Baldwin knows. Have- James Baldwin oh, knows. Man. Reed Baldwin, hey, he'll man. tell you exactly why that happens. Hey, man. My nigga, I keep that, I keep that Baldwin right here on the desk. Yeah, my dog, okay? yeah. I keep that Baldwin real close, okay? As you should. He explains <laughs> it very well, uh, why black men in particular, but black people who are American are just not really seen as human or seen as special. Like white people, um, unconscious white people, I should say, project their shadow, their fears, their worst thoughts, their guilt. They, they project all that shit onto us. Um, but they can they project, cannot, they can project, they cannot face it themselves. They can't, they can't face what has happened to us. They can't face what they've done to us. Um, That's right. 
So I, it's very subtle, but you can just see it operating in the world because it's yeah, unexplainable was, in any other way. That was the part of I am not your Negro that fucked me up, which is why I got it tatted, which is why I got it tatted on my arm. Mm. It's like the idea that white people cannot face it and therefore they make us deal with it because they don't want to deal with it. They don't want to deal I was with like, it. I was like, damn, that's so real because I know that I do that sometimes in my own life with some shit. So I was like, imagine if I was responsible for something as heavy as the detriment of fucking <laughs> an entire of all, race of people. Of all like, people. <laughs> I would be like, yeah, nigga, I don't want to deal with that. Like, fuck it. Which is why, like he was saying uh, in the movie, like, it's why white people don't want to talk about race, religion, and all that stuff. Because if you yeah. go down those topics, it leads you right back to atrocities. And, and there's a part of your brain that gets the logical connections. Like, oh, yeah, we definitely cause racism. But, like, you yeah. can't, you don't want to ever be conscious of it. Because then you, no. it fucks you up. Gives you too many choices and things to dig through and apologies mm-hmm. to make. It's, people don't want to deal with all that. It's the same thing with eating meat. When I'm eating my chicken sandwich, I don't want to think <laughs> about, <laughs> right? I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about the fact that, like, it was a factory where they mistreated them and did all that shit. It's like, no, just let me enjoy my chicken. Let and me get this like, Yeah. Hey, it's like, wait, let me enjoy, let me enjoy owning this basketball team instead of thinking about where these things <laughs> came from. <laughs> I mean, that's the human race in a nutshell. So, you know. Yeah. Hey man, when I eat my meat, I'll be thinking about it all. Like, mm. yeah. Mm. These floors, these floors, this chicken walked on must have been tasty. Oh. <laughs> this chicken suffered. Ooh, this chicken must have had some some of the delicious suffering. That's fucked mm. up. I apologize <laughs> to all my vegans and vegetarians and just people who love, you know, not cruelty. I apologize to you. To chickens, you know? Chickens, to chickens. I, I, I enjoy eating a free-range chicken. You can you can really taste the freedom. You can't. You really can't. In, in fact, I think free-range chickens taste worse. <laughs> 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 hey, you can taste that freedom as long as you put some salt and pepper on that shit. Sure. Was, <laughs> was this chicken raised humanely? Pass, man. Pass. 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 <laughs> Throw that shit out. Yeah, yeah Justin. So uh, this is I, I, I had this thought while we were recording. And, uh, you know, I'm famous for nothing but springing shit on people. But this is oh, I boy. think this will very be true. Very this true. Very fun. <laughs> So oh, you you created the show and the movie, Dear White People, and I thought, you know, if if there was another deer that we could uh, that we could create, uh, and, and we and we and we had just to put like, you know, what would we say? And so I want to do a segment called Dear Matt Apodaca. Um, <laughs> and, oh, and, and I don't know what that means, but like I, I think all three of us, just for a minute each or so, maybe a little less. Can, what what would dear Matt Apodaca be about? Uh, wow. Edgar, you know Matt. I'm going to give Justin a chance to to think about this for a second. I just met Matt, so I, have I, to. I know, but that's why I'm really interested in what you have to say. <laughs> okay. But I'm going I'm going to let you take your first cue from Edgar. Okay. Uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, the first draft of Dear Matt Apodaca. Wait, so are we writing the script right now? We're, you're we're you're writing like that. You're you're pitching that this, this is the this is the pitch. What is All right, so okay. if there if there's a tagline, a mission statement of what this so, is about. So Dear White People takes place on an Ivy League school. So I feel like Dear Matt Apodaca would have to take place at like a record shop. Cause Matt really <laughs> likes music. So like it's at a it's at a record shop. Let me see. And now I'm like Justin. I'm like, what's the theme of this? What's the theme of this? I guess. <laughs> I guess the theme for me would be like Weezer. Weezer is not that great a band. That's the message. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. That's the message that we're trying to get across. Wow. So Matt is the owner of this record shop. Okay. He's the, he owns this record shop, and he's trying to. And he always makes everyone push Weezer shit and all this. And we have this character named uh, Sam Taste. Is her name. <laughs> <laughs> and she has this secret podcast where she puts up that the shits on Matt and his Weezer taste. Wow! <laughs> so in this reality, my record store aunt is so influential that there is a podcast that is trying to take me down. But by here's some, the secret by somebody named Samantha Taste. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but then. The secret is that everyone finds out in the pilot that Sam is secretly dating River Cuomo. And oh my god! <laughs> our River uh, River Cuomo, name? yeah, the Rivers Cuomo, the, the lead singer, of of, 
the front man. This <laughs> is a specific show. <laughs> so, <laughs> so everyone's just like, yo, you always hating on Weezer and we're with it. You know, we hate working for Matt, and, but you're secretly dating the lead singer of Weezer. And that's the pilot is her having to deal with that. Wow. Mm. It's essentially the Dear White People pilot, but I took out all the white parts and just I put Weezer. I noticed. <laughs> okay. And then, and then you just replaced last names with taste. Because <laughs> she has taste. She has taste. And Cuomo's. She has and Cuomo's. Taste. And Cuomo's. <laughs> taste and Cuomo's. <laughs> Rivers Cuomo, that's his name. Isn't it his name, Matt? Yeah, that's his name. But what you've done here is you've made a show that I guess only I would watch. <laughs> 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 what do you think, Justin? Do you have any notes? Do you have any thoughts? Like, I have a few thoughts. Let's just okay. let's toss out the idea and start <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. I feel like we could get a run, bro. Like I don't know. I don't know. How much you got left on that? How much you got left on that Lionsgate deal, bro? Man, let's go pitch it. <laughs> ne- negative twenty-five cents. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough. That's all we need, bro. I That's all, all we need, bro. That's all we need. All right, Justin, <laughs> Justin, what would your dear what would your dear man Apodaca be? What would your wow. dear man be? I think that Dear Matt Apodaca is about uh, Matt Apodaca uh, working on this show and having to write y'all, um, but to himself from another person that doesn't exist, that he made up, okay. so that y'all can see the pain that y'all put him through. <laughs> <laughs> See now, th- now this I like, and so, and so the framing device is every episode one of y'all gets an email that's like, "Dear Metapodaka," and y'all read it and you never give it to him and you think you're hiding it from him. <laughs> but it's like, "Dear Metapodaka, I really enjoy your perspective in that episode. I don't know why they don't let you talk or why they make fun of you." <laughs> and then y'all like hide it, but like the, narr- the that email like narrates like his point of view of the making of the show every week. Okay. That's actually really good, man. That's I like that. Really good. And it's like real. That. Like, that's so real that Matt would that's do real. some shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if I was if I was going to create a Dear Matt Apodaca, it would start with Matt Apodaca at the age of 25. Wow. Okay. And there's going to be a person, her name. Growing up in the Harlem Renaissance. <laughs> growing up in, yes. <laughs> I got a picture of it behind me. I know, yes. I know. I love that. Picture. Oh, I meant like age 25, but also yes. year 19. No, I'm sorry. I just I was <laughs> <laughs> But but in this in this movie, somebody realizes, Matt, you never take your hat off. <laughs> and and it's just like, Matt, let's see the top of your head. What does the top of your head look like? And and the, throughout the entire film, like in the shower, he keeps his hat on. When he has sex, he keeps his hat on. Wow. He, he has sex a lot. He has sex a lot. Every you know, scenario has been Matt naked that you brought up. <laughs> <laughs> when Matt was born, he had his hat on. Okay. <laughs> but he won't take his hat off. And, and, and we need to get to, like, the root of this. And we say, Matt, what, show your whole face. And the end of the movie, he finally does. And we see why he doesn't take his hat off. Wow. And you guys. But you know what? You should show. It's a reverse shot. So we see Matt start to take it off, and then we cut to the audience's face, and they go, oh, my God. And then yes. it's the credits. Yes, and then it's the credits. We never see what it is. I like it's, this. How long is this movie, though? Uh, uh, 22 minutes. Okay. I'm in. I'm in. Short. It's a short film. It's I'm in. Short. You know what? You know yes. what, Justin, you're right. We don't let Matt talk that much. And if there's anyone that Matt should talk to, it should be you. Y'all should rap a little bit about the Simpsons. I mean, the, uh, the oh, oh yeah. man, he's probably the other biggest Simpsons fan that I know. Was, I except for it. Cody Ziegler, the three of y'all are like the biggest Simpsons. But fans. See, am like, I am I like a big Simpsons? I don't think I even registered in the top ten. Justin, the amount of times you're in a room and you'd be like, you know, this joke is kind of like the Simpsons, and then you make us watch, <laughs> you make us watch an entire episode. No, of I the never Simpsons. made you watch a whole episode. <laughs> okay, but it was like a fifteen, it was like a twenty minute, it was like a, it was a long clip for one joke. <laughs> it was, it was, and I also misremembered the joke and was slowly realizing that as we were watching the clip, but I didn't want to admit it right away, so I was like, no, nah, let's watch a different clip. I think it's a different one, and we never found it. But I know they, they, they were all great clips. <laughs> I love it. I love right. this, man. though, where it's like, because, um, like, I do, I would say that I am a big Simpsons fan. Like, I have the DVDs and I watch it, I, like, every night to go to sleep. I have a tattoo 
Um, but like, do you ever have this thing where it's like someone like identifies you as a fan of something and then that person like knows so much more about it? And you're like, okay, well, wait a minute. I'm not like all the time. I'm not crazy about it. Like, you know, it's not <laughs> no, like all, I don't live and breathe it. Like, but all the fucking time. Yeah. Cause like right when Edgar put me on the spot of the Simpsons, I was like, I don't want to answer any trivia. <laughs> that was basically performing art school every day. Yeah. It's like whenever you said that you like something, oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, have you read the 1965 treaties? It was just like everybody was yeah. like smarter than you about whatever you were into. I feel like but it's I do, not like I do with love us, the but like I feel like if like a like truly like this is gonna sound so crazy that I'm saying this, but like if like a white person was like, oh yeah, you love The Simpsons, I'd be like, I don't want to talk about this with you because you're gonna act like you know more about it than me. Hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. They will. They will yeah. do that too, and they will know more about it though too. They probably. You know what that hurts more yeah. though. It hurts more when it happens with a race thing, because I remember one time there's this white jazz musician. He's a friend of Anna's. And I was just like, oh, you're a white guy who plays jazz, huh? <laughs> Figures. And he schooled me on jazz. He's like, you don't know shit about jazz. <laughs> and I had to walk out of there with my tail between my legs. Like, no, yeah, when, when, when white people know more about a black thing than you, it is the worst. It's the it worst. Is the worst. <laughs> because they also don't have the capacity to realize that that's not particularly cool in and of itself, that they know about a black thing. But like, yeah. it's, 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 it's so gutting. Well, because, <laughs> well, because when they when they do want to learn something about a black thing, they go all in. When we are just like, we got too many black things to know because yeah. we black. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it doesn't have the same urgency for us. It doesn't have the same urgency. Yeah, yeah. We grew up with the shit. We didn't go to school for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I wrote a sketch about that where like this one guy mistaken that ether came. That the take back came out before Ether, and he says it wrong, and the white guy corrects him, and all the black people around him just all look at each other and agree to just change history and <laughs> say that. <laughs> and then it's like we can't let this we can't let this white guy win. He's one hundred percent right, and they change history. I love that. I love that. <laughs> Do they invent time travel? They're like, because then the guy starts bringing up all these examples. He's like, well. You know, 9-11 happened here. And he's like, 9-11, that should never happen. <laughs> okay, Edgar, I would make that movie tomorrow. <laughs> it's like, no, or the show, it'd be like Quantum Leap. But it was yeah. just like, every time they go back in time, it's to change some shit that a white person was right about. <laughs> let me, let me be, let me be, let me be the wrong black person in this. <laughs> I would make that show so fucking fast. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Uh, Justin, this has been, this has been dope, dope man. man. Uh, you, you, I'm, you know, you have so far just been a dope ass career and it's only going to keep getting doper and more. I'm going to fuck it up, man. I'm going to fuck uh, it up. I mean, but listen, if you do, uh, <laughs> you'll join the great long list of black men who fuck shit up. So true. Yeah, it's true. true. <laughs> hey, ain't no wax black man that fuck shit up. It's only the greats. <laughs> it's only the greats, my man. So it's, it's only, only the, the greats. greats. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate y'all. This was fun. Yeah. Is there anything that you want people to know about anything uh, coming down a pipe that's interesting and fun for you to talk about. Obviously, the new season, the final season of Dear White People. Yeah, new Dear White People's coming out at some point when they allow us to shoot it. Um, Bad Hair is going to come out because I already shot that shit. So uh, on Hulu, you're going to get some a movie about a sentient weave. Enjoy that. Um, and then I'm starting my podcast back up, Don't At Me. So uh, nice. check me out on Instagram, jsim07 or Culture Machine. And uh, check out how you can be in the audience and ask questions to me and my guests. Love it. Yo, man, that live episode with Terrence Nance yesterday was dope. Yo, Terrence. But he also, he, he I want to know what he smokes, man. Dude, he <laughs> took me to another dimension. <laughs> I, yeah, bro. Every time I talk to him, I'm like, what? That's reality? <laughs> like, it's it's my favorite, man. He's, he's Bro, so you dope. would ask him a question. You'd be like, yeah, man. So what was it like, you know, casting the show? And he'd be like, do you cast anything? Yeah, like, no, he'd be it. like, he'd be like, let's break down the <laughs> etymology of the word show. Yeah, who are we? <laughs> who are we showing to? Yeah. It was he's fucking, <laughs> he's fucking brilliant, man. I could talk to him for like legitimately like five. For real, hours. man. Yeah. He learned so much, but yeah, he's a dope dude. It's great, yeah, man. Check out Don't At Me. Starburns, right? Starburns Star Industries. Starburns Audio. <laughs> Starburns Industries. <laughs> Justin Simeon, everybody. Thank y'all. I appreciate this. This was really a oh, great yeah, way man, to start my day. And I, I, I'm admitting to all of you that I started my day at noon. 
Hey, hey shit, okay. I started my day my- 30 minutes before you did, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> What a guy, what a guy, what a guy. I know that this wasn't, that this technically isn't an industry podcast, but I like when, like, you know, people come through and they, they just give usable information. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so many interviews can be like, yeah, I did this, I did this, but this nigga was given some usable information that people can, like, actually apply to their shit and, yeah. you know, make it better. Yeah. I think like one thing that I like is just the nature of our show, even when we do have industry people, uh, because it's so conversational and and not to toot our own horn, but I think we do a good job at making people feel comfortable talking mm-hmm. uh with us, which is nice, I guess. But you do get you do get people who will let their guard down um a little bit and give, you know, real keys to the game. Yes. Uh, instead of the instead of the publicist answers the PR they firm had the answer. PR version yeah so yeah. yeah Justin is a dope dude Justin is a he's dope such dude. a dope dude man he's created he's a lot of dope, dope shit dude. yeah created a lot of dope shit and you know and one thing we all found out we all had secret friends <laughs> I think Justin was the secret friend or or yes we either had we either had secret friends or were secret friends uh and you know we also I I, I guess we didn't I guess we never asked this but Young Prince Apodaca. Yeah. Which one of those movies did you like the best? Which one of those which one of those dear Matt Apodacas did you like oh, the best? If, which one would you pick? And keep in mind, your job depends on your answer. You're gonna fire me? No, yeah. I oh. Straight up. <laughs> what the fuck is this what the fuck does this look like? So I mean you gotta understand mm-hmm. that that's not the worst thing that could happen to me. <laughs> what, what, uh, being fired? Damn. I would be. I'd be free oh, right, from the man. abuse of the king. Next week, next week we gonna have a new producer on God. Yeah, we got um, guy. God. No, Let's see who we got next week. No, you know I love being with my kings, my boys, my friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I but All I did. I heard was lie, lie, and lie. I, and yeah. this is this this what I'm about to say isn't going to prove that uh i did think that justin's was a great pitch Mm. justin's Mm. was great and uh, was very interesting um Mm. but you know i mean i'd like to see i don't see how we couldn't just combine all of these ideas you know like these we could because they're literally different ideas nigga no i think I, i i think and you know i'm also a professional uh TV show maker. And so I What? <laughs> so I know what I'm talking about here is what I'm saying is that oh, I think okay. you could take you could take some of this, you could take some of what uh Jaquisa's show, uh put uh, it in Justin's, you could take some of Edgar's and put it in Justin's. Then you have like a really like just like, you know, something just like a meaty show. Uh, yeah, I don't think you ever made TV in your life, bro. I, I make it all the time. I, I love t- I love TV and I love the biz. Okay. Oh boy. All right. Oh boy. If you say so. If you oh say boy. so. <laughs> Matt, is it time to do Queen of the Week? We will not do it unless you say it's time to do it. It's time for Queen of the Week. Queen of the Week. Fine. Fine. If you say so. My Queen of the Week. This week. Uh. I I had a big ass crush on this girl back in the day. Uh but also I've discovered her Twitter over the past couple weeks and uh and I enjoy her Twitter and she's a filmmaker still making good shit or still making stuff I should say. Uh Reagan Gomez Preston is my Ooh-hoo-hoo. queen of the week. Throwback yeah, throwback yeah, name yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, she was, I'm it, boy, in the 90s and 2000s, she was fine as hell. I mean, she, like, I'm not saying, it's always weird to say somebody was fine back in the day because that kind of implies they're not anymore. And that's not what I'm saying at all. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying back in my thirsting days, you know, my backsliding days, <laughs> when, you know, you would watch TV and get horny, 
Uh, Why are we pretending like those days are over? Why are oh, we doing oh, that? No, man, I, I don't. Why are we pretending no that Jaquise isn't still the same thirsty nigga? Jaquise, I don't backslide. Can I tell you something? I don't backslide. Bro. I got a I file on you. I got a file on you, Jaquise. I don't. I just be. I, don't, I just be scrolling through Instagram looking for pictures that you like and just <laughs> screenshotting it. And I just be saving it in a folder. I'm like, I can't wait till this nigga get come up on some on a roll on a TV show. Let me be out of a job and just send that nigga this folder and be like. You won't give me this job. Now on this on Instagram <laughs> on Instagram I be on Instagram I be liking ass all the time. I ain't gonna lie. Jakey's uh, tweeting stuff that says like sex gifs. Uh, you listen, man. It's a lot. 100%. of it's, it's a lot of fine ass people on Instagram. Let me just Jakey's is the horniest nigga on Maine. Nah, nah, I don't backslide no more. Uh, Reagan, <laughs> Reagan Gomez Preston <laughs> is my queen of the week. Go check her out. Go watch some of her old stuff and keep up with what she's doing now. She's doing dope shit. You know, when you're watching The Wire, you're required to tell people that you're watching The Wire. So I've been watching The Wire. And my queen of the week is an actor on The Wire. And look, everyone always says, oh, this person just playing themselves. This person just playing themselves. And people don't realize that acting is such an unnatural thing. Like, you're literally pretending to do something multiple times, trying to pretend like you're doing it the same way. So to not only act in that situation, but act as yourself, as if you're being your natural self, is an incredibly difficult feat. And Felicia Pearson, who plays Snoop Mm -hmm. on The Wire, is so good at it. Like, and I'm also reading a book about The Wire while watching it. And they talk about how she would scare people on set because they'd be like, this girl seems legit. And someone will come up to her and be like, yeah, she is legit. Like, we literally, she's about that life. Like, we we found her and we were just like, yo, you're so good at this shit. Come and be in the show. She has actually gone to jail for popping off on somebody. So (laughs) the fact that she's in this show playing that kind of a character and just brings such a realism to it, that's an acting feat. So I just want to shout out Felicia Pearson, like, I'm completely blown away. And not only that, but also to come back from that kind of a lifestyle and make a name for yourself as an actor and to give back and to to speak to people, you know, and go and give these talks. And also to be a queer icon. I'm sorry, man. Felicia Snoop Pearson is my queen of the week. Oh, good. Queen of the week. Ah. All right, guys. Well, I'm going to go kiss some strangers on the mouth. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, see what happens. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.